What a busy day for Kyle Dubas and company. The Penguins rattle off a lot of free agent signings. I'm going to be joined by Zachary Smith from Around the 412 to break down every signing in this special bonus edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Your Locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to a special bonus edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Shore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Joining me now is Zachary Smith from Around the 412. He hasn't been on the show in a little bit, but I figured we could bring him on here to discuss everything Kyle Dubas did. For a while, Smitty, it was looking like we're going to have to just discuss Matt Nieto in that small <laughs> contract. But in the span of about 30 to 35 minutes, boom, Tristan Jari gets signed. Boom, Ryan Graves gets signed. Boom, Nolachari gets signed. Alex Nadelkovich, excuse me, gets signed. And it's all of a sudden, it's like that $15 million of cap space, poof, goodbye. In typical Penguins fashion, when they have cap space, whoever is in charge, person brings in a ton of money. And now, if you look at Cat Friendly, they are over the cap. But, Smitty, I really appreciate you coming on for this bonus edition of the show. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Like you said, it was uh, it was a little too quiet on the Penguins front there for a while after the Nieto move, like opening up free agency, basically, because Nieto was one of those rare cases today where it was a pre-noon thing that he had agreed to a deal in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. That obviously didn't, you know, pan out for whatever reason. I, th- I think somebody put out that Edmonton was kind of like backtracking on the deal on their end. Maybe it was a money thing. I'm not sure. But Pittsburgh ends up swooping in, getting him on a two-year, $1.8 million deal. And then nothing for a very long time. And honestly, I don't know if it was like my hopes getting up or what the case was. But I actually took the silence as them working on an Eric Carlson trade, which would have which had been talked about uh, quite a bit for the last couple hours prior to the Penguins signings actually being announced. So that's where my mind actually went to. And then all of a sudden, like you said, just in a flurry, five different guys signed to free agent deals. Um, I would say headlined by Graves and Jari, but you know, Noel Achari had a nice little run last year. He was, you know, somebody that I actually had highlighted for the Penguins as a trade target um, before he ended up going to Toronto. And then obviously sprinkling in, sprinkling in um, Alex Delkovich, which, you know, we'll touch on that one. Just cause could it mean something for Casey to Smith? That would be interesting to, to see as well. And then Lars Eller, um, again, a guy that I had thought about in the past, but at 34 years old, he gets a two year deal. Um, I mean, I know where to go in more depth on, on all of this, but uh, I'll say, yeah, this was kind of unexpected um, in this in this type of flurry like it happened. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I also thought they were working on the Eric Carlson trade because it was widely reported throughout the day that the Penguins were involved in talks. And heck, Kyle Dubas even confirmed to the media today that, yeah, he, he was talking to the Sharks about Carlson because when a great player becomes available, you kind of have to at least ask and do your due diligence to see what it would um, require to get him in a penguin sweater. But let's start Smitty with maybe some news that you were surprised by. I was definitely at least taken aback by it. Tristan Jari, five Mm. deal, 5.375 million 
her season. Yeah. I had I had a small feeling it was maybe going to happen that he was going to come back in some capacity because Freddie Anderson came off the market, Corpusalo came off the market, Cam Talbot came off the market. All these goalies came off the market, and it was like, okay, it's either going to be a trade or they're going to have to bring Jari back. And they went with the latter. Man, that's a lot of term for him, for someone who's been really banged up these past couple of years. I don't doubt his talent. That's the thing. I know when healthy, he is talented. He hasn't just finished 921 in one season and 919 another for no specific reason. He has the talent. But, you know, he's been really banged up the past couple of years. He's choked in the playoffs. I understand that the main series was the Islanders one, and maybe it's not fully fair to say that he stinks in the playoffs, but that's really the only big sample size that we can go off of that right now. Right, yeah. When you saw that deal, what were your thoughts on it? Um, am I being punked? I thought Ashton Kutcher was going to come out somewhere. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest. I had a feeling, um, I think that you were saying that beginning too, that it was going to lead to Tristan Jari being back in a Penguin sweater um, yesterday. I started to get that feeling. Um, you mentioned like Rob Rossi's uh, article kind of made me feel it was heading that direction. I thought it would be a short-term thing. And I put out a tweet as well saying that it better be a short-term deal. And also basically coinciding with that, I think you got to move on from Casey to Smith if you're bringing back Tristan Jari. There's just no way to sell that goaltending tandem to the fan base. Um, bringing him back at for that long at that number tells me they got to feel really good about him from a health perspective. Um, not just, you know, from like a you know a short term whatever he was dealing with last year but like long term we believe that this guy is going to be able to hold up um so yeah i mean it, it's on the surface very puzzling i would have liked to have seen it you know in the two year me th- i i could have gotten on board with three year range and it's not even so much about the money for me like i would have been okay i guess with this cap hit if it were kept on a shorter term deal um but yeah, this uh, this contract definitely took me by surprise, not Tristan returning, but with what it was at. But um, again, I, I think that hopefully due diligence was done and they feel really good about where he's at health wise. That's the main point as well, because you're, everyone in the organization is sticking their necks out for him. You're betting on the medical staff saying that oh, this is yeah. going to be the goalie that finishes out the core's time in Pittsburgh. I yes. Mean, that's, yeah. That, that, that is absolutely a big one. You're betting on the medical staff telling you, yeah, that he is okay, that he's this, these problems are not going to come up again. I think you're also betting big on Andy Kyoto to get him right and to coach him up. Kyle Dubas is betting on himself. That was the big thing coming out of Toronto with Dubas was that he was questionable at times with goaltending. Well, yeah. he is sticking his neck out big time here. With a player who he really had no history with, of course, coming in, he didn't really have history with any of these players, but everyone in the organization is sticking their neck out for him. And mm-hmm. I think it could turn out good if he is healthy and he returns to form. But man, Smitty, this could turn out to be a disaster also if he gets banged up or if he continues to be a bit inconsistent during each season that he is the Penguin starting netminder. Yeah, I, I want to add one thing here, too, and it's not related to Kyle Dubas, but just related to the organization, Tristan Jari, and also the guy that was here before Kyle Dubas. I can put, I can talk about this now. I, 
I think and hope because of where we are at. Uh, I was told, and I was told at the time that I couldn't talk about it on the show around the 412. Um, but now that we're at this point, I think we're past it. The Penguins and Tristan Jari were very close to a similar extension to the what this deal looks like last season. Ron Hextall wanted to give Tristan Jari a five or six year contract extension last year. Ron Hextall also pushed back to the front office, everybody else that was t- telling him that they wanted to go acquire another goalie at the trade deadline. Ron Hextall pushed back against that. So Tristan Jari was definitely Ron Hextall's guy. So it's really interesting to see that now he's Kyle Dubas's guy because it 100%, I would have said, I said yesterday, I had a feeling Tristan Jari was returning earlier. I did not feel that way. I felt like they were going to go in a different direction. So my mind completely changed within the last 24 hours. Um, But I will say it is very interesting to note there that this deal. Now, I don't know if the money was the exact same almost happened in season with a different GM, which makes me feel like, okay, who behind the scenes that is still in place. If there, if it was somebody is kind of getting in Kyle's ear about Tristan. Smitty's got the scoops, everyone. But, <laughs> no, but that's also a very good point. And sticking with the goaltending here, Zach, Alex Adelkovich comes in one yep. year, $1.5 million. I'm sorry. That guy's not going to be your third string goaltender. I don't think your third string goaltender is going to make $1.5 million to just, what, be on the roster, not even be right. dressing as a backup. He's not going to start in Wilkes-Barre, that's for sure. He's not a Dustin Tokarski. I personally think, as of right now, my opinion, they're going to run into the season with Jari and Nedeljkovic as the tandem because you're right. You can't sell Jari and DeSmith as your one-two. You've done that the previous few seasons. It's not worked every single time. It's probably not going to work again. You can't sell that to the fan base. So I personally think DeSmith is probably going to get dealt in some kind of deal. He only makes 300K more than Nedeljkovic. Nadelkovich's stats, I mean, he was decent, honestly, in Carolina, was actually 923 there one season, was also 932 there in 23 games in 2020, 2021. But since then, yeah. his numbers have gone down 901 in 2022, 2023, went down to 895. You're hoping that he can bounce back in a better situation because the Red Wings were not good last season. But I think this, this Nadelkovich signing really spells the end for DeSmith in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I would think that Nadelkovich probably wouldn't take the opportunity in Pittsburgh if he wasn't kind of being promised that. Right. I mean, you would think that him and his agent would be like, if we're going to Pittsburgh, there's gotta be a pretty good shot that I'm going to be the backup here. Like they, they, in order to sell him on joining the team, I would think that would have to be the case. Um, You look at Nadelkovich and yeah, he had that really nice run in Carolina, but like, think about that though. Like in Carolina, maybe the best in terms of supporting your goalie, like the insulation there, what better environment for a goalie to play in. And then you look at Detroit where it's maybe like the bottom five for sure. Um, so it's like Pittsburgh's probably going to be you know, somewhere in the middle of those two, but I'm, I would not expect him whatsoever to get back to the level that we saw in Carolina. I also wouldn't expect him to perform as bad as he did in Detroit. I will say with a position that is as head game as goalie is from a mental perspective, I just hope that, you know, the results in Detroit didn't ruin him enough to the point where he's not able to bounce back. Um, to t- touch on DeSmith a little bit, I think what's really interesting with this whole thing is 
you know, maybe Casey DeSmith would be a better option than Nadelkovich, but it's just as stupid as it sounds. I'll say it again. You can't sell Jari DeSmith as a tandem to the fan base again. And whether that goes into the organization's mind or not, I just, I have a hard time seeing them being the one, two, once again, going into the 2023 season. But we've seen it, you know, going, we said the same thing going into 2022. So who knows? But it's, it's a hard ask. It's funny, DeSmith has better numbers the last couple of seasons yeah. than Nadelkovich does, but mm-hmm. as you said, you can't sell that. So that's going to be a really interesting case to follow. But yeah, I originally thought that Jari was not going to be coming back. I kept saying that on my show. I, I even said Kyle's first move was going to be going out and getting Vimelka from Arizona. So I will stitch a mm-hmm. fat L on my forehead for that. I am sorry to everyone out there who will be listening slash watching this. I will take the L on that one. But that's your goaltending situation heading into the season. Moving on to the next big deal, Smitty. Ryan Graves, six years, $4.5 million per season. It's funny. I heard after the season from a couple of people that if he was going to get to July 1, the Penguins are going to be extremely interested no matter who the GM was because Mike Sullivan has long been a fan of him. Mm. Sure enough, at least I got that one right because Graves is now a member of the Penguins. That, I believe, is your Brian Dumoulin replacement. He can bring you some offense. When I was watching his film, when I did a free agent just profile of Graves a couple of weeks ago, he fires a lot of the pucks to the net. He is a very, and I mean a very, shot-happy defenseman. Actually ranks in the 88th percentile for shooting. Also really strong on the penalty kill. Defensively ranks in the 92nd percentile, so he'll also really help in that. He's also really strong at denying entry to the defensive zone and in transition. He's also very good, 76th percentile, and carrying the puck into the zone in 82nd percentile and entry passes. So he knows how to carry the puck in, and he also Mm -hmm. knows how to make a really nice entry pass to get the cycle going to create scoring chances. I really like him. He also brings a physical toughness to that top four, which I know some fans will like as well. He brings you some size. I yep. think he's a mini version of Marcus Pedersen, but also in the sense that he, he'll bring you a bit more offense. I'm higher on him than some others are. I'll, I'll admit that. I really like his game, mm-hmm. and, but I just don't think he should be on the top pairing. I think he probably suits you better as a second pairing defenseman. What are your thoughts on Ryan Graves? I I mean, you said a lot of the things that I was going to say. I mean, I, I would have liked him better, you know, as a second pairing left-handed defenseman, even though it looks like for the Penguins, he probably will play on that top uh, pairing with Chris Letang. I, so uh, the way that I'm envisioning it with Sullivan, right, is he was probably like, let's trade for Jacob Chickering. But if we can't do that in free agency, we're getting Ryan Graves. That's what that conversation was like. Um, but I do like Ryan Graves. On- now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but you know, it's funny because we had Josh Getzoff on our show um, last week, and I we we said point blank, we want you to name somebody that feels like they're going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. He landed on Ryan Graves. Um, he felt like uh, who he originally said Tyler Bertuzzi, but he actually felt like the Taylor Hall thing was setting up for Bertuzzi to return in Boston. Obviously, that's not been the case. Um, but he landed on Ryan Graves, who he really liked too. So we had a whole conversation about him on there. So. Very happy that he ended up uh, being a penguin. We were messaging each other um, when the deal went down. But from uh, from that perspective, I do think he adds a lot of elements that like you can almost meet in the middle, right? With the analytics crew as opposed to like the traditionalist because of what he brings to the table. It's kind of like he's a nice middle ground player that everybody can kind of agree on. This is probably the signing that fans are most excited for 
I would say, of the group. Um, six years, a bit long for me, but, um, you know, you, you almost have to tack on a year for any player that you know is going to be coveted on the free agent market. So it's like, yeah, he probably, ideally, you want to give him four or five. You got to give him six to get him to sign with you over, you know, the competition. So I can live with it. Um, I, I do like the player, at least in the short term. It'll be interesting to see how his game ages. Um, but at least for now, you know, 28, I feel really good about him for at least like the first three, four years of that deal. And that's really what this is about when you look at the window they're in. That's really what matters, Minnie. Yeah, the first three yeah. to four years, because at the end of it, the team is probably not going to be good anyway. That That's really the only sticking point where I was like, hmm, six years for Ryan Graves. I think that's maybe a little bit much, but no. he's still going to bring you offense. He's still going to bring you value on the penalty kill at eight goals, 26 points this past season. Ranks in the 92nd percentile for PK ability. If you look at Andy and Rono's charts, really good in transition, can defend in his own zone. In a perfect world, you stick him on the second pairing with whoever. Maybe that's Jeff Petrie. Maybe that's someone else. Maybe they try him up with Chris Tang, but I personally think that's too many minutes for him. I would rather just put Marcus Pedersen up there, to be honest. But I still like him overall as a player. I was going to say, and Pedersen and Latang were good together. Like, yeah. For whatever reason, it seems like they don't want that to be the case. Maybe it's because of the way that Pedersen and Petrie were good at the beginning of the year and feeling like if there's somebody that's going to stabilize Jeff Petrie, it is Marcus Pedersen. Um, I, I just feel like to your point, like Ryan Graves could probably do that too. It's just, you know, from a minute's perspective, I would probably trust Pedersen up on that top pair and Graves on the second one, but you know, they'll roll into the season. Nothing has to be stuck. You know, once they make those pairings, they don't have to stay that way. Now Sullivan has to be fluid with it in order for it to work, I think, but, um, it, it's not like they're set in stone if they go out into the opener with, you know, Graves on the top pair. And who knows? The defense may look a lot different in the next couple of months because I personally don't think Kyle Dubas is done based off what he said today. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Those are the big signings, though. But let's get to some of the depth signings. And the day mm -hmm. started, Smitty, with Matt Nieto, two-year deal, 900K per season. And split, he split last season with the Colorado Avalanche and the San Jose Sharks. I think he's a fine depth forward, can also play on the penalty kill, very good penalty killer. This is going to be a big theme of these signings today. A lot of these players can really play on the penalty kill. I think the Penguins took last year's struggles on the PK personally, and they want to get that unit back to where it usually is, a top five to a top 10 unit league-wide, because it was average to below average this past season, but Nieto... He knows how to kill penalties. 12 goals, 24 points. I think for cheap depth at 900K a year, you can do a lot worse than that. I mean, he, he ranks in the 60th percentile for shooting. So when he shoots, he usually scores. At least when you look at his shooting percentage. Entry mm -hmm. passes, he's also very good. He's also good at carrying the puck into the offensive zone. Decent defensively. I'm all for this type of signing. It's a very Kyle Dubas like move cheap depth that's what he did in toronto and you can plug him on your fourth line it's 900k not really a big deal for me yeah i guess you know when we started out today and for a while that was the only move i was like okay like this guy's kind of a guarantee to be in their bottom six but like not with the other two signings i'm not so sure that he ends up even being in the on the team most nights like in their lines he could be the 13th forward when it all is said and done when after, you know, they add Lars Ellen, Lars Eller and Noel Achari, like you obviously have Nylander right now. You still have Granlin. You still have Jeff Carter. You assume like they 
qualified Drew O'Connor, something's going to happen there, and you think he's going to be a regular at the NHL level, or at least cross your fingers, he should be in 2023. Um, so, yeah, I just it's interesting that they added this many guys for the bottom six, um, and they're all defense first. Like, you look at the Penguins' moves, they didn't get younger like we thought they were going to, really. Um, they didn't add any secondary scoring, so they're still going to have that same pressure on the offense. Um, they got better defensively for sure, though. That's the one thing that we can definitely say right now on the surface. The offense could be there for sure, uh, upgraded from what we saw last season from a secondary scoring standpoint. But at least on the surface, it's without question they got better defensively and on the penalty kill. Yes, I, I very much agree with that. I think you are going to see a bottom six that is not just going to get caved in defensively and allow a bunch of goals like this last year's bottom six did. But I do think, Smitty, you might be underestimating the, this bottom six a little bit. Well, I do think you need more on the third line. Let's be real here. There's not enough scoring there. Fourth line, though, I think you definitely have some pieces. You know, we'll get to Noah Chari and Lars Eller in a second. But you have them, Matt Nieto, Drew O'Connor. Maybe Jeff Carter plays down there on the fourth line wing on his final year of his contract. Probably be the final year of his NHL career, to mm -hmm. be honest. But some of these guys that they signed today, they've still scored double-digit goals. And that's good. Sure, they may not be the 17 to 20 goal scorers that maybe some of us were looking for. Like, for example, Pierre Engvall, who signed a seven-year deal on Long Island, which is just crazy. Lou Lamorello, man, he just he's a wild one. But I still think there can be some offense there, but I, it's not enough as of right now, that's for sure. Let me so basically what I'm viewing it as is they have two fourth lines. I do think they are better offensively than last year's team. When I say from an offensive standpoint, I still mean I don't see that. I mean, don't you're never going to see the Penguins have like an HBK line again. That's not what I'm looking for. But, you know, someone within that third line that could score, you know, 18 to 20 potentially. And maybe that's too tall of a task. But with what I'm looking at on the roster, I see more of like two fourth lines from an offensive perspective. I, I think that's fair to say. And, you know, another one of those fourth liners that's, you know, I think it's probably one of you. I think their fourth line center is Noah Chari. The Toronto connection there is very mm -hmm. strong because Dubish we knew we were getting one of those guys. Yeah, you, you knew it. I thought it was going to be David Kampf until he did resign in Toronto, but I figured at least one of those guys was going to be coming from Toronto to Pittsburgh. And sure enough, it was Noel Chari. 14 goals, 23 points this past season. And like these other players, another very strong defensive player in his own zone ranked in the 90th percentile for defensive impact among his peers. So only 10% of fourth line players at 5v5 are better than him than in his own zone. 87th percentile for penalty killing ability. He's also a physical forward, which I think fans will. He brings some a physical element. He's also a bigger player. So you have all that plus his scoring. I'm fine with that. If you ask me. Yeah, I think it goes back to the kind of thing. Well, first off, anytime you see like pretty much unanimously Toronto fans, were not happy about losing him. Uh, that's a good sign. Um, I think it's another one of those cases where you're looking at it on the surface. Probably, you know, you, you'd say for his age, 31 years old to um, probably rather give him two years than three. But yeah, to give him three to make sure that he signs with you. So uh, totally fine with this deal. I think it's a really good bottom six forward to have. I think he can play in a lot of different situations. Sullivan's going to be able to trust him at the end of the game. That That's the thing, too, that I'm looking at is 
when you go up and down this lineup right now, you're not going to have to rely on the Brian Dumoulin's and Jeff Carter that Sullivan did at the end of game situations last year. Uh, sure, Jeff Carter's still on the roster. I think that we are both kind of hopeful that like from a role perspective and from a minutes perspective, he takes a step back when you look at what they've added to the bottom six. Um, so, yeah, I just think like situationally, the Penguins should be a lot better in 2023 when you look at what they've done. I agree with that for sure. And the final signing is Lars Eller, two times 2.45 million in his mid thirties as well. The Penguins, no matter the, who is running the show, they love their 30 year old players. I also want to get younger in some areas, but they're not sharing that vision, at least for right now, former member of the Montreal Canadians and Washington Capitals. And before he was traded to the Colorado Avalanche, it seemed like he would always score against the Penguins when he was in Washington mm -hmm. every game, no matter mm -hmm. if it was the regular season or the playoffs this past season, 10 goals, 23 points. Outside of that, he's also a very strong penalty killer, can play well defensively, 88th percentile for defensive impact if you look at Andy Rono's charts at 5-on-5. Five five. But I think his legs are gone for the most part, Smitty. His skating is not what it used to be. A lot of Capitals fans were kind of waiting for him to be moved. I'm friends with a decent amount of Capitals fans since you know I've lived in the DC area for a lot of my life. And whenever I would talk to them about Eller, and I actually texted a few today just asking them, like, hey, like, what do you think of him? Because the Penguins just signed him. A couple people told me, like, good luck be, well, a little bit because his legs are gone and he's not the same player that he used to be. So if there's another signing that I'm kind of a bit mad about, it's this one. Yeah, I mean, when you think about him as a player now, this is, you know, in his better years, I think you look at one of the stronger defensive centers that we've seen, you know, kind of an underrated guy, wins a bunch of face-offs. Um, but I've never really, like, sure, he had a knack for scoring against the Penguins and maybe some big-time goals. I think he was always a little bit of a better playoff performer than he was in a regular season from an offensive perspective. Um, but I've never really, like, considered that the strength of his game. Um, yeah, he certainly hasn't necessarily aged well, I don't think. Uh, things finished up for him well last year 34 years old i i think i guess i'm in the same boat as you um also seems a little bit expensive for what he brings to the table um i don't i don't know i mean when you i, I think he's probably like you said the one that you're really scratching your head about and it's also probably going to be like i don't see many nights where he's not going to be in the lineup you know knock on wood health wise but he's probably going to be one of the guys where they're like, eh, is he really one of their best 12 forwards that should be in the lineup? Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it, especially if Drew O'Connor is knocking on the door for next season, and I think he will be. I think he's deserving of a full-time spot in the bottom six. Is he going to be out for someone like Lars Eller who really can't skate uh, anymore and doesn't have as much of an offensive ability like he used to? Lars Eller, remember when the, I remember when the Capitals got him, was it back in 2015, 2016? He was a really good Third line player. Mm -hmm. That time has passed. He is not that anymore at that best. He is a fourth line player who can give you decent defensive impacts, score you a few goals, but he's really not going to do more than that. I, I think at this point, I think there were better options out there for the Penguins rather than signing Eller. I understand Tar Reardon is on the staff. He has coached him before. He was in Washington as the head coach. So there's that connection, but I don't know, man. Two years for that, for someone who's 34, is not going to bring you a lot of offense. I think you could have done a little bit better. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know what the type of player was that they were looking for there, um, but for what they spent on him, yeah, I would agree. I, I think he could have gone a totally different direction. Um, you know, obviously, 
I don't know that they had the need to add somebody else to the top six, but like $750,000 more Matthew Shane signed in Dallas. Like, I mean, uh, again, you know, opportunity is going to play into that too, but yeah, I just, it's, it's a head scratcher, but I don't think it's anything to be like overly upset about, at least on the surface. Now, again, if he ends up looking completely cooked and they have a better forward option sitting there and they're not playing him just because of Lars Eller's cap hit, then it's going to be a problem. But on the surface, it's, it's whatever. I, I agree. And overall, Zach, when you look at this day as a whole, what grade do you give Kyle Dubas? Um, you know, I, I don't want to give him the the benefit of I do think it was a, a very weak free agent class. Now that doesn't you don't just have to hand out contracts just to hand out contracts because of that. Um so I, I like the Graves. I like Noel Achari. I'm at, I don't like really either aspect of the Jari deal, but I get it. Um, pretty meh with Eller, the Deltovich is whatever too. Nieto for what he brings to the table. I actually would say that that was a good signing. If anything, um, I I'm very in the middle on it. So I guess that means I gotta give him a C on the surface again. Like this is, an incomplete in reality because these guys haven't played a game for the Penguins yet. And we have to let it like play out, but all this is done on the surface and on the surface, I think it was an average day for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think they are a better team right now than they finished last season, but still uh, I'm going with a C just because mainly that, that Jari year and money brings it down a little bit for me because otherwise I think it could be a B. I'll give it about a B minus to maybe C, C minus, somewhere around that range. I don't think it was particularly really good. I also don't think it was particularly really bad. But I do think right now they are better than where they were at the end of this past season. And there's also so much time left. That's what people don't realize. I, I keep seeing so many you know, negative reactions. Oh, this is going to be the team going into training camp or you know, going into October. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I know they're yeah. over the cap by a little bit right now, but that can change if they do move out some salary. Speaking about that, Kyle Dubas talked about Jeff Petrie and Mikhail Grinlin during his press conference today. For people, for people thinking that he was just going to dump all over those two, think again. That's just that's not how you do business, especially for two players who I think it's quite obvious that they're trying to move at least well, one of them with Jeff Petrie because that's been widely reported by numerous outlets Mikhail Granlin that contract is obviously brutal you can probably find a taker for him or well, hopefully at least via trade you're not just going to crap all over them for the sake of crapping all over them of course he's going to say yeah we think Jeff is going to be a really good defenseman for us next season or yeah we really think Granlin can help our third line out next season and play that many games you have to say stuff like that but if I were a betting man I would say that at least one of them will not be on the Penguins come October. I could definitely be very wrong on that, but that's how I'm seeing it right now, especially with how they've been, sounds like really dangling Petrie these last several days. Yeah, it's funny because we just mentioned all the guys like in the bottom six and stuff. Well, like right now, Granlin's part of that equation too. Like as long as he's on the roster, that's what we kind of have to say about it. So um yeah, the Petrie stuff is really interesting. I mean, that goes back to Tuesday, but it's also like, it's not that he's a bad player. He's obviously not worth that contract. Um, 
but he wasn't bad enough in my opinion to even be considered like a buyout candidate or anything like that. Um, I just don't think that I, I think that he's on the team next year. I think it's Granlin that isn't going to be, and I don't know how Kyle is going to end up pulling that off. It'll be interesting to see, but if I were picking one of them, those two to not be on the Penguins, it's, it's Granlin. I do think Petrie is going to be on the 2023 Penguins. I actually thought if they were going to move a defenseman, it'd be Ruda. That would have made sense because I do think Ruda, Chad Ruido can do what he does for yeah. a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying with that. I'll go opposite. I, as of right now, I think Petrie's not going to be on the team. And Granlin, if I had to pick one, will be. I know that may not that may not make fans happy, but no. There's See, only, so let me ask you then, as we sit here right now, if that's the case, how do the forward lines shake out then if Granlin's part of the equation? I think you're going to have to probably put him on wing. I think left wing. I don't think you can have him be your center there. That's not mm-hmm. going to happen. He's not a modern day Patrice Bergeron like Mike Sullivan was trying to use him late in the season on the penalty kill and all these defensive zone draws. That's not going to happen. What I really wanted them to do, but they didn't do it today during free agency if you were really committed to keeping Greenland on the team, and you know they still may right now, why didn't you just get a bunch of pure shooters and say, "Hey, we're going to put Greenland with you guys"? At least, hey, why didn't you get Duchesne from Reunite Nashville? One year, three million <laughs> per season. That's an easy slam dunk deal. Maybe. Duchesne preferred going to Dallas because I would have been all over a deal like that. Maybe the Penguins inquired, but he was like, Hey, sorry, I'm going to go to Dallas. I prefer playing there, but man, that would have been perfect because he brings so much even strength offense to the table and is a pure volume shooter. You could have gotten him, could have gotten someone else. I, I, I really would have done something like that. Yeah, I just think that you get a guy like that who you, we've already seen inflate Granlin's production. Not saying, you know, Granlin all of a sudden overnight becomes a better player, but I think that, you know, the surface level numbers at least are inflated a bit when you play with Matt Duchesne, as we've seen from Granlin's time in Nashville. So I think, you know, it, it would have been, if, if that was going to be the plan, I could totally get it. Um, but it's not, clearly, because Matt Duchesne is, is in Dallas and, as of right now, Graylin's still in the Penguins. So, yeah. Well, I wish they signed Matt Duchesne because that would have been an easy <laughs> contract for them to sign. And I was all over over it on Friday, and now I'm sad about it. Only a little bit. But they're over the cap now. Kyle Dubas is not done, right, Zach? There's no chance that I think he's done yeah. at this point. Yeah, I, I think uh, to your point, listen, it's, it's kind of everybody's – still first time hearing and seeing Kyle Dubas work. Um, at least this up close, obviously. I think fans are not used to a media savvy general manager yet. And you're seeing that play out right now. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think so, you know, this is going to be a good test once we see how this does all play out, you know, if what he said about Granlin and Petrie, Hey, if it holds true, it holds true. But like, we both think at least one of those guys is still going to be moved despite what he said. Then we go into the next period knowing that, like, okay, this guy might have said this, but he went and did this. I mean, we've kind of already seen that because they didn't get younger. That was kind of what we were sold. Uh, That didn't happen. So, you know, saying something and doing something are two completely different things. 
as of right now, those two are both on the roster. The Penguins are over the cap. I, I'm with you. I don't think that they're necessarily done. I, I think something else has to be coming. What that is, uh, I'm going to guess at this point, it's not going to be Eric Carlson, but it's something. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to keep talking with him. The way that Dubas answered that question, sounds like he still wants to keep maybe peppering San Jose about what he can do to bring him to Pittsburgh because, man, mm-hmm. I know he doesn't bring any defensive impacts to the table. He ranks in the zero percentile if you look at Jay Fresh's charts. He ranks in the fifth percentile if you look at Evolving Wild. But every game would be 7-6 or 8-7, all gas, no breaks. I'm all in favor of that. Bring back those kind of games every single night for the Penguins. He would make the team a lot of fun to watch. I know he would make them a bit older, but hey, you've already signed a bunch of 30-year-olds. What's one more to trade for at least? <laughs> but Latang and Carlson on the same team, man. A lot of offense. Lot yeah, of and then you got and then you got uh Graves and Pedersen to kind of stabilize them. I mean, I wouldn't mind Graves with Eric Carlson if you can somehow some way make that work. Don't know how you're gonna do that with the cap hit. I mean, GMs find a way no matter what, but I personally think he's still going to try for it, but it's probably more unlikely than not. But man, it's at least something to think about and put it on you know the back of your mind for the rest of this offseason. Because I know Carolina wants him. I know Seattle obviously wants him too, but Penguins can. Hey, if, Carolina's, if Carolina ends up doing that, then bring in Brett Pesci because there's no way he's staying there. No, I, w- I would love to get my hands on Brett Pesci. He's not going to bring you a lot of offense, but defensively, oh yeah, he's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, totally different player. I just, I would love to have either one. I agree with that too. Elite at suppressing shots, or at least for for Pesci, and also make a bunch of Sabres fans mad because I know Sabres fans really want to get their hands on Pesci. But, Smitty, I think that will do it for this special edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate you coming on to discuss all of these signings. Tell everyone what you got coming up for around the 412 with Tyler. Did wait, hold on. The Penguins just uh signed forward Juna Kapanen to a two-year contract. Uh, oh yeah, that was um that was rumored to be coming during the day. Okay. It was a two, it's a two-way deal for yeah, it's Kapanen. Two-year contract run through the 2024-2025 campaign, 70 775k at the NHL level. Yeah, it's I believe it's a two-way contract. I think this is just depth for Wilkesbury. I just, I, I literally just got that alert and I was like, I don't want to miss something um, while we're talking here. But yeah, uh, Zachary Smith, everybody can call me Smitty. Um, but host around the 412 with our friend Tyler, who, what a bum, wasn't able to make it for this episode. Um, but no, shout out to Tyler if he's watching or listening to this back. Uh, around the 412, you can find all of our stuff. This is actually a great time to be on here, Hunter, because today, July 1st, time of recording this. We just launched year six of our yearly rocking around the 412 Christmas mission. I, I launch it every year on July 1st as like a Christmas in July thing. Um, so yeah, year six, first five years of that, we've raised over $25,000. Um, every single penny that is donated to that goes directly to providing Christmas to the children of local families. Um, we've done it, like I said, for the past five years puts a smile on everybody's face. It's a great cause. It's a way to, if you are somebody that is, is charitable, it's a great way to see exactly where your money is going. Um, that was the thing for us is we wanted to directly see 
how this money was being used and how it can impact the lives of these families. Tyler and I never had to worry about Christmas growing up. We're both very fortunate in that way. We know it's not that way for everybody else. So we launched this Christmas mission. Shout out to my mom for the name. Very simple. Just adding rockin' to the front of our name of the podcast. Um, but ton of videos, ton of pictures. I put all that stuff up. The GoFundMe link is always our pinned tweet on Twitter once we started off. So that's the case right now, even though Twitter is not a thing basically right now. Uh, Thanks, on Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. Just search around the 412 and you'll find all our information there. But yeah, thanks again, Hunter. Yeah, of course. And yeah, this was a brutal free agency period, not being able to really interact with anyone on Twitter because Elmo, as I like to call him, liked to do something <laughs> super weird to say the least. With I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into all that. We're just going to end the episode here, but yeah, go support that. Go support around the 412. Thank you all so much for listening slash watching this bonus edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. And I'll be back with another episode for you all on Monday.